is a life-changing message brought to you by Fellowship of Champions Church International, located in Conway, Arkansas. Listen now as Dr. Edwin Strickland teaches you to walk in love, live by faith, and experience God's prosperity in every area of your life. How many know that the lack of obedience will stop manifestation from taking place in your life? Uh, it, It is so imperative that you understand that obeying God is not an option. I got to hear me. I said obeying God is not an option. If you expect to have God's manifestation in your life, you must learn to be obedient. And you must learn to be obedient, not just in the things that that you don't. A lot of times we're obedient when it comes to something we don't know how to work out. But sometimes we get so intellectual and we get so smart that we don't even consult God about things we think we know how to work out. But how many know those are the things that become a big mess for us? The things that we don't consult God on. And so we're going to deal with that today. But in review, I want to take just a moment and take you back to those first four points, and then we'll finish up talking about the fifth one today, which is a lack of obedience. We said on last week that this is the season, and we said it again today, that this is the season that God has called us into where we can expect to receive the fullness of the blessing without measure. That means that there are things in your life that you've been believing God for, and if you will tap into the things God is instructing you to do in this season of your life, God said he will surpass everything you're believing for. So if you're believing God to restore one relationship with a family member, God said he'll restore every single one of them. Because he's going to do more for you than what you're expecting because he wants you to see the blessing in the fullness and he wants it to be without any measure. He wants it to be so large that there's nothing in your natural mind that can measure it. Amen. And so one of the things we started talking about last week was we knew that this was true from God's word. Because anytime you have a word for a particular season in your life, it has to be based on a word from God. Amen. One of the things that I encourage you to do is to spend time in this Bible, in this Logos word. Because many people want to hear God and they want to hear God say things to them, but they're unable to hear God because they don't have any Logos in their life. This word of God right here is designed so when God begins to speak to you, it has something to stick to. And many people, they want God to speak to them, but they don't spend any time in his word, so they don't really hear God, even though God is always speaking. Tell your neighbor, say, God is always speaking. It's funny because sometimes we go, oh, I heard God yesterday. God had been saying that to you for weeks. God had been saying that to you for months, for years. It's just that you got in a position to now be able to hear. And so we want to live a lifestyle where we are always in position to hear. The Bible says this in John chapter 10, verse 10. You don't have to turn to it. It says, the thief comes but to steal, kill, and what? Destroy. He said, that is the job of your adversary. And don't be fooled, you do have an adversary. And his name is, is Satan, he, he's Lucifer, and he is hell-bent on causing you not to receive any of the things that God has for you. See, you've got to understand, and I, I know this is a different theology for some people, but once you're born again, once you're saved, you cannot go to hell. We, we could spend months teaching that, teaching that theory, but, but, but people, people, people keep thinking that, oh, but, but, but what about if I mess up? Understand, the blood of Jesus is big enough to take care of all of your sins, past, present, and future. But now that you are born again, the devil's job then is to make you live like hell on earth. He can't stop you from eternal life, but he can stop you from enjoying the God kind of life here on earth. And so you've got to be smart enough to say, you know what? The devil's job is to stop me from getting close to God. So I got to find out all of his tricks because how many know he didn't have any new ones? And if I find out all of his tricks, I never have to be deceived again. And so God says, don't be deceived. The devil's never coming to do you good. Sin is never designed to get you ahead. Uh, A lack of integrity is never designed to get you ahead. Being lazy, letting somebody else do the work so you can get the credit is never designed to get you ahead. It's always designed to cause destruction into your life because the devil's job is to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have another reason for coming. He said, I have come that you might have what? Life, Zoe kind of life, the God kind of life, and that you may have it how? In abundance, to the full, until it does what? overflow in your life. Tell your neighbor, say, this is my season of overflow. Now, now the great thing about that is it could have been your season yesterday. 
The great thing about it is if you don't get it today, you can receive it tomorrow because it's always your season of overflow when you're willing to get in the word of God. Now go to 1 John chapter 3 because I want to show you another reason why Jesus said he was manifested. 1 John chapter 3 verse 8. The Bible says this in 1 John chapter 3 verse 8. It says, he that committed sin is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, watch this, for this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might do what? Destroy what? The works of the devil. So the Bible literally tells you and I that the reason Jesus was manifested in the earth was so that he could live a life and expose us to live a same kind of life so that every work of the devil would be destroyed in relationship to our lives. In other words, he says there is a way, and I think you need to understand this, there is a way to live above where Satan can touch you. It is possible for you to live a life so that everything the devil throws your way misses you. Many times we glorify, we, we, we magnify the devil and make him larger than what he is. How many of you know that the Bible says that in the last day, we, you and I, those of us who are believers, are going to look at Satan and we're going to say, is this he who deceived the whole world? You mean to tell me that this little thing right here is the one that we made so big and the one we magnified so large? He's the one that I allowed to cause me to be disobedient. He's the one who allowed me to gossip. He's the one who caused me to backbite against my neighbor. This is the thing you're talking about? You need to understand the blood of Jesus is much stronger than the devil can ever be. And so the Bible says that we need to be wise enough as children of God to understand factors that the enemy brings into our lives that tries to stop manifestation from happening. Who remembers what we said number one was from last week? Number one, what was it? Sin. Sin is the number one thing that will stop manifestation into your life. Now, let me make some, qualifi- some qualifying statements here. Number one, when I talk about sin stopping manifestation, I'm talking about if you're a non-believer. If you are a non-believer... Sin causes you to be separated from God. If you are a non-believer, if you've never confessed Christ, that sin is separating you from God. If you are a believer and you are practicing sin, it doesn't separate you from going to heaven, but it does stop you from receiving heaven on earth. It does open you up to condemnation. Anytime I'm condemned about a thing, it affects my confidence. It's the reason why you can pray for somebody to get healed and believe they'll get healed. But if you just sin, now you don't have the confidence to pray. You're praying to the teenagers, so you're praying to the same God. So what's the problem? The problem is not God. The problem is, is that now you don't have confidence because condemnation has come. So sin for the believer doesn't exempt us from going to heaven, but it does exempt us because it exempts us from the good things of God because we now have condemnation on our hearts. Tell your neighbor, say you must not be sin conscious. You know, I could almost spend a whole hour just right here. The problem with most people in most churches is they are still so sin conscious if their whole life is governed by what they did in their past. Now, Pastor Sean did, I'm serious, Pastor Sean did that whole exercise. The Holy Spirit arrested this service to let you know that your past is not holding you back. Now, watch this. If I were to say to you, and I I want you to participate, how many of you believe that if somebody died in this service, that we could pray for them and they would get up? Raise your hand if you believe that. How many of you believe that if somebody died in this service, that if I laid my hands on them, that they could get up? How many of you believe if somebody died in here, that you could lay hands on and they would get up? The reason we didn't have as many hands go up the second time is because you start thinking about your past. You start thinking, well, I don't know if I can lay hands on somebody after all. You know, I done done some stuff. But the Bible says that your past has been wiped clean. 
So I messed up. I made some bad business deals. I spent some money I shouldn't have. I committed adultery. I lied. I cheated. I stole. I went to jail. But guess what? That's over now. So now when God calls me to do something new, I don't have to be concerned about my past. Why? Because God took care of my past. (laughs) We got upset. We didn't like the way things were going. So we moved and left Arkansas. God called us back. And guess what? We're exploding. Why? Because we're not worried about the past. Oh, you didn't hear me. You keep thinking about how you messed up. Tell your neighbor, say you messed up and you might. Mess up again. Say, but it doesn't stop what God wants to do. Most churches live like we are still in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, when they messed up, what they have to do? They had to go and they had to make some kind of sin offering. Because the sin offering was the thing that atoned them until the next time they made a, they made a sin. But the Bible says you and I have a mediator named Jesus who was the, who was the sacrifice one time. <laughs> Glory to God. Jesus died one time and it took care of every sin I ever committed, every sin I will commit, and the sins I haven't even committed yet. The Bible in the book of Hebrews says he died one time. So then why should I as a believer not practice sin? Because it causes condemnation to come into my heart. Not that it stops me from going to heaven. Take, oh, I so wish we understood this. Heaven is already taken care of. We don't come to church because we're trying to get to heaven. We don't read the word because we're trying to get to heaven. God took care of your heaven issue the day you got born again. Everything else he's trying to teach you now so you can live heaven on earth. Amen. So the number one thing we said will cost manifestation is sin. If you're a non-believer, you got to get born again. Or sin will separate you from God. If you're a believer, you got to understand the devil has no power over you. He has no power over you. You, you cannot be in bondage to something you don't, you're not in bondage to anymore. The Bible says it like this. It says, understand that you cannot be a servant to something that you have died to. We have died to sin. We've been born again. We no longer serve sin. It's the reason two years ago, you remember when Pastor Tony came here, he said, we don't sin. He said, we just missed the mark. Because sin, our sin issues have already been dealt with. What we have to be careful of now is not letting the devil cause us to come into condemnation. Amen. And then the second thing we said on last week, what's the second thing we said that will stop manifestation from coming into your life? Number two, not casting down your will. Tell your neighbor, say, it's not my will, but God's will. Oh, but I want to live in San Diego, but God wants you to live in Arkansas. Yeah, but San Diego got so many more opportunities, but God said in Arkansas. Oh, but I could move to Denver and I could start a business doing this, but God said live here in Conway. So the issue becomes, whose will am I going to submit to? Any of you ever play organized sports of any type? If the coach called one, let's say that's a play, and you went out there and ran five because you cause five caused you to shoot the ball. Because after all, you want to shoot the ball, so he called it one. That's somebody, oh, five. What happens after you call five? Snatched out the game. If you don't learn to submit to the will of God, you will get out the game. You will now be subject to play your own game. You will no longer be able to play the game that God has already carved out for your life. And the Bible says he has carved out a good path for us. So he said, number two, what we've got to learn to do is we've got to lay down our will. We've got to learn to understand. And I used the example of when Jesus was going to the cross on last week. What did Jesus say when he was going to the cross? He said, Father, if it be thy will... Let this bitter cup pass. In other words, he said, this is, this, is, this is more than what I thought it would be. He said, I've got the sins of the world on my shoulders. But then he had another thought. What did he say? He said, nevertheless, not my will, but what? Some of y'all need to tell God, not my will, but yours. 
You keep going to prayer trying to convince God to let you do it your way. You keep trying to convince God that, that, that your way somehow is superior than the way he's already carved out for you. And then you wonder why when God allows you to go your way, it doesn't work. Some of the dumbest mistakes I made was because I had a great plan to get them done. I knew exactly how I was going to get it done. I knew exactly what it should look like. I didn't need to consult God about it. I already knew how to do it, and it looked like it was fail-proof. But how many know you can't see as far as God can see? you got to be careful in everything you do. Where you go to school, who you're going to business with, who your friends are, where you go to church, everything is connected to the will of God. And so you got to make sure that whatever you're doing, you got a word from God. People laugh at Pastor Shutter and I sometimes when they come to talk to us because they say, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, what did God say? Because if you come and say, Pastor, I think I'm supposed to do this, 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 and this, the fact that you say you think means you don't have a word. If you come to me and say, God said I'm supposed to do this, I'm supposed to do that, well, then ain't nothing else for you to do but to do what God said. But if you come to me and say, I'm not sure, my first question has to be, what did God say? Because understand, many people have learned how to be submitted. Come here, Shanita, for just a second. Shanita is one of my daughters in the ministry. She's learned to be submitted. If I tell Shanita, Shanita, I need you to go outside and stand by the door doing service to make sure that don't nobody come in and rob us. Shanita, do that. Just because I asked her to. But she wouldn't be able to do it with the same tenacity as if God told her to go out there and stand and do it. Because if I ask her to go out there, now she's wondering, man, who finna come by here? Daddy got me out here, I ain't got no good, I ain't got nothing. But if God says go out there, she's like, what? I wish somebody would run up in here. Why? Because now she doesn't just have me backing her. Now she has God's authority backing her. And that's what happens when you submit to the will of God. When you do your own thing, you're hoping God's going to support you. Thank you, Shanita. You're hoping God's going to support you. But when you are doing it God's way, now you can rest on that thing. Why? Because God's backing you. I mean, think about it. It could seem idiotic that Pastor Sean and I would be living in northwest Arkansas and start a church in Conway. Why would, why would we start a church in Conway and not move to Conway? We even had people say, well, aren't y'all going to move to Conway? And we thought about moving to Conway, except that when we asked God, he didn't tell us to. God said, if you will do it my way, he said, I'll cause you to outgrow the space that you're in. And every week we see increase. Why? Because we learn to submit our will to God's will. There are people all over this city. There are people who listen to the radio broadcast. And God has told them to connect to this ministry. And some of them, what they say is, oh, I'm going to wait and see how big you're going to get. Because you know I like going to a big church. That's a spirit of significance. Or they say, I can't go to a little church. That's a spirit of significance. I, I, I gotta, I've got to go to, to, to where, where I can be recognized. But you understand that nothing in their life is going to happen until they submit? There are many of you in here right now, you thought to yourself, you know what? I'm going to submit to this ministry because that's what the Lord said. And your life is ten times better than it's ever been. Why? Because you learn to do things God's way. If you don't do it God's way, it'll stop manifestation from happening in your life. Number three, we said the third thing was what? Not adhering to what? The word of God. Take your neighbor and say, you must read, do, and obey. You have to read the word, you have to do the word, and in doing so, you obey the things of God. If you don't adhere to the word of God, then you miss out on everything God is wanting to do for you. Go to Matthew 24. Now, here's why we're teaching this. Because... When the fullness of the blessing shows up, it's going to be opportunity for people to get jealous. Tell your neighbor, say, you don't have to worry about being jealous. God wants to bless you too. 
<laughs> but God is a just God. You can't be disobedient and I have to be obedient. So, so if he's going to cause me to be obedient to get the blessing, guess what you're going to have to be to get the blessing? Matthew 24, verse 35. It says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. So I cannot rely on traditions because how many know traditions pass away? I cannot rely on the current climate of the American culture because how many know that changes? I've got to base my life off the word of God. And it's, it's amazing to me how people want to base their life off the word of God when it's something that they wanted to do anyway. God says don't murder, so you're cool with not killing anybody. But the same word that says don't murder says don't fornicate. And then we try to reduce the word fornicate to make it sound nicer. Don't sleep around. Don't co-mingle. No, the word is fornicate. It means to have sex before you're married, and God say don't do it. So we take, we take a little don't murder, but we leave the fornicate on the plate. Because we want to pick and choose what it is that we do so that we don't have to feel bad about what we do. But tell your neighbor, say, you got to receive all the word. We do all kind of things to get around the word of God. Instead of giving tithes, what we do? We pay dues. Some of you came from church where you pay dues. You find in the Bible where the Bible says something about dues. He don't even talk about dues when he talks about taxes. He says, render unto Caesar that which is due to Caesar. He don't talk about dues, but we, what we did is we said, well, we don't really want to give no 10%, so we're going to give a due. We're going to come up with our own amount and give it to God. That way God will be happy. But how many know God is never happy with your disobedience? It doesn't matter how you fix it and how you cook it up. If you don't adhere to the word of God, it will stop manifestation from happening in your life. Amen? And then the fourth thing we talked about was the motive of your heart. And this is the thing you got to get, the motive of your heart. We said this on last week. No good seed in a bad environment or bad ground will produce a good harvest. We also said that no good seed placed in bad environment will produce a good harvest. So i got to have a good seed and i got to have good ground. And for many people, what they do, and I, I, want, I want to read something to you. I'm going to show you exactly what I'm talking about. Many people come to church, especially in this age of what they call the prosperity gospel. And I believe the whole Bible is prosperous, amen? But people come to church and they say, you know what? If I can just get me seven principles, seven principles to my dead deliverance, all I need is them seven principles. And if I can get them seven principles, I can get out of debt. Once I got out of debt, man, I can do all this other stuff. But how many know they miss out on the very thing that the Bible is trying to teach them, which is how to love God? And so what happens is you come and you get your seven principles, you get your three steps, you get your five keys, but they never produce anything for you, and then you think the Bible doesn't work. It's not that the Bible doesn't work. Your ground is bad. Your heart is contaminated. And the Bible says that the word of God is what? Seed. But no good seed placed in a bad ground is going to produce a harvest. How do we know? Go to the parable of the sower. And let's look at it. I don't want to read it out of, um, let's look at it in Luke. Luke chapter 8. Because I believe Luke chapter 8 is where it talks about unto perfection. Say, my heart must be ready to receive the seed. It's why Pastor Sean asked you not to come into service thinking about all your problems. It's why she asked you don't come into corporate prayer when you got ten things to talk to somebody about and then talk to them about that doing corporate prayer. It's the reason she asked you to come to corporate prayer. Because for many of you, if you came to corporate prayer, it'll push some of that other stuff you're thinking about out of your mind. Luke. Chapter 8. Now notice in Luke chapter 8, Luke's account says it like this in chapter, in verse uh, 4. It says, And when much people were gathered together and would come to him out of every city, he spake a parable. 
A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell on good ground, say good ground, and sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable mean? And he said unto them, it is to you given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. Watch this. He says, let me explain this parable to you so that you get this. One translation says, if you don't get this parable, you don't get anything else I'm going to teach you. He says, the seed is what? The word of God. The seed is the word of God. Even when you gave your offering today, you should have given your offering based off of a word. Your money is only a material representation of the word you received in your heart. So now you're giving that word back to God so that he can cause a harvest to come into your life. He says the seed is the word of God. Don't ever get that misunderstood. People like to talk about how their time is a seed. If your time not based off a word of God, it's not a seed. People do that because they don't want to give tangible money, so they say, well, my seeds are, my, my, my time is a seed. No, a seed is only something that is connected to the word of God. Even, even in, in Genesis, when he told them there's, there's going to be a time of seed, time, and harvest, he was talking about there is a time when you need to be applying certain principles from the word of God in your life. He then says to them in verse 12, he says, those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil and take away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Say, good seed, good seed. bad ground. Verse 13, they on the rock are they which when they hear, they receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while they believe, and in time of temptation they fall away. Say, good seed, good seed. bad ground. Verse 14, and that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring, watch this, no fruit to perfection. Now I like this scripture because it says they bring no fruit to perfection. And for many people it's not that they don't see something happen in their lives, but they don't see it happen the way they see it in their mind. God shows you what your business is supposed to look like, but you never quite get to your business to see what it looks like. Why? Because you don't spend enough time in the Word to bring your fruit to perfection. So you got good seed, but you got semi-bad ground. I, I hear God today, and I can really hear God good when my business is going good. But in times of trouble, now I'm so focused on the trouble, I forget about the Word. I hear God good when my kids are behaving well. I hear God good when I can pay all my bills. I hear God good when my body's not ached with pain. But when the pain comes, when my kids are misbehaving, when my money's not acting right, I get off of the word and I start focusing on the problem. And so I cannot bring the thing that's on the inside of me to perfection. It's the reason you get a little harvest. How many of you ever gave something and God gave it back, but it wasn't enough to meet your need? And instead of saying, you know what? This isn't enough to meet my need, but I know it works, so I'm going to sow it again. What we do is go, man, this ain't working. I gave said $10, somebody gave me 15 I needed 500 and so what happens is we start to think that this doesn't work, and now that bad ground gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. So you got good seed, the word, but you got bad ground. But notice what he says in verse 15. But that on the what? Good ground. Are they with an honest and what? Good heart. Having heard the word, what did they do when they heard the word? Now, how many know the devil came to get their word, too? If, if, if four of you get a word from God, the devil's come to get the word from all four of you. 
The difference is how good is your ground and how can it secure the word that's in it. And the Bible says that the good ground kept the word. And because it kept the word, what did it do? It brought forth fruit with what? Quickness. With quickness? With what? Suddenly. With patience. It brought forth the word or the fruit with consistency. I'm always amazed at people who spend years getting into debt and then they want to give a $100 offer and get out of debt in one day. I'm, I'm just amazed. I, don't get me wrong. God can do it. But if you were consistent in getting in the debt, what's wrong with you being consistent to get Nothing wrong with believing for supernatural debt cancellation, but I can't be believing God for supernatural debt cancellation while I'm at the after Christmas sale in the mall. I'm believing God to get me out of debt, but every time I turn around, I'm looking for an opportunity so I don't have to sow. We know every time we come to church, at this church at least, we give you an opportunity to sow. Because we know that if you sow, you can get your life changed. But people come to churches all over America and conveniently leave their checkbook. But they never go to the movies and leave their checkbook. Why? Because you know if you want to receive something at the movie, what you got to have? It's because the heart's not right. And, and, and it would be very kind of me not to talk to you like this, but I would deceive you if I didn't. You need to understand God is never trying to take from you, but you cannot get something for God for free. Well, wait a minute, Pastor. What about salvation? It's free. It costs Jesus his life. Everything costs something. You've got to be able to say, I'm going to lay down my will. That's going to cost you something. I'm going to not do it my own way. That's going to cost you something. I can't hang around my friends no more because they won't change. That's going to cost you something. And so the Bible says that you've got to check the motive of your heart. Why are you doing what you do? Why do you come to church? Most, a lot of people come to church because they're afraid of what happens if they don't. I mean, now we're not that kind of church, but I have been to some that if you didn't come to church, you was going to hell. That day. I remember hearing quoted so many times, without holiness, not man one of you. No man shall what? See the Lord. And then holiness was defined as this litany of things to do and not to do. And they never said holiness was just being in God. I got born again. It's, therefore, I am holy. Now I can see God. It ain't got anything to do with me necessarily coming to church. So why do I come to church? I get an opportunity to hear more word. That's why I come. It's the reason I tell you, if you're going to a church and you're not hearing word, you're wasting your time. I come to church so I can be encouraged by the testimony of my brothers and sisters about what God's doing in their life. Because then I can say, wait a minute, God's no respecter of person. If he is blowing Brian up like that and he's blowing Baron up like that, I'm next in line, glory to God. It's the reason he says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Why? Because when you assemble together, it's like iron sharpening iron. So we dealt with those four things. And today I just want to talk to you real quick about this one, the lack of obedience. Go to Joshua. Say, I must be willing and obedient. Most people don't become willing and obedient until they're in a desperate situation. That's sad, but it's true. 
We do not become desperate for the things of God until we get in a desperate situation. It's what he kept trying to teach the children of Israel. He kept trying to teach them that over and over and over again, that if they would just obey him, they would never have to get into bad situations. Joshua chapter 1, you got it? Say amen. It says, now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is now dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Watch this. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness of of this Lebanon, even unto the great river of the river Euphrates, all of the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun, all of that shall be your coast. Verse 5. There shall not by any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I, will, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, and I will not forsake thee. Only be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto thy fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe, watch this, observe to do. I'm not observing just to hear about it. Why am I observing what the Lord says? To do according to all the law. Say, not some of it, but all of it. I can't do none of the things God's telling me to do and not do the tenth one. I need to do everything God's telling me to do. It says, to all the law which Moses, my servant, command thee, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left. Why? Because if you do, the thing I'm about to tell you won't happen. That thou mayest prosper wherever soweth thou goest. He says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe, here we go again, why? To do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have what? Good success. So if I want to be prosperous and have good success, my key is one thing, obedience. My key is one thing, obedience. And here is how many people uh, approach obedience. Go to Luke chapter 6. And I'm going to read this out of, two tra- out of three translations. And the third one, I think you'll get, the, you'll get the point. See, obedience is key to my destiny. It's key to my destiny. I got to obey God in everything he's instructed me to do. Because if I don't obey God, as Pastor Sean said this morning, it opens the avenue for the enemy to come into my life. And this is going to sound silly, but I'm going to ask a question. And, and, and it, some of you made this man happen, but how many of you ever got a, 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 a whooping, a spanking, a beatdown because you were obedient to your parents? All right, pretty good. Amen. You know, I got beat down for being obedient. How many of you got a beatdown, a whooping, a spanking for being disobedient? Now, isn't God just like a good father? He said, y'all ain't getting no whooping, quit lying. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> now, now how, many, how, how many of you know that if your natural parents don't discipline you in a bad way for being obedient, then God is never going to do anything bad to you for being obedient. So even if God tells you to do something that goes against your logic, How many of you know that by obeying God, you can always escape a whooping? That is something I had to learn. I had to learn the hard way. God would tell me something, and it did not line up with what I had learned in school. It didn't line up with what made sense to Edwin's natural mind. And every time I disobeyed God, I ended up getting a whooping. Now, it may not have been a physical whooping, because when you love God and you disappoint God, an emotional whooping is a lot worse than a physical whooping. 
my mama's here. I, one of the worst whoopings my mother ever gave me, she never touched me. I tell this story myself real quick. Me and a friend of mine was about 16, 17, maybe 18, I don't know. We was driving around late one night, being silly, and in between Conway and Gold Lake, there's a stretch of highway. I mean, it's straight, too. You can get it. You ain't supposed to, but you can get it down there. And we decided to do it with the lights off at night. Getting it. 85, 90, just getting it. Cars passing us. I'm like, whoa, you know, he laughing. A police officer stopped us and said, what are you guys doing? Oh, uh, and, and back then we were lying. Ain't we? we didn't know our lights was off. He said, yes, you did. He said, I followed you guys for over two miles. He said, let me see your license. I'm thinking, man, and my mama is at work, too, because she worked at the police station. So he got the license. He said, you're strict, son. <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, yeah, yeah, I am. I thought he was going to let me go. He said, I'm going to tell your mom on you. <laughs> so I drove back to Gold Lake. Ring. Ring. My mom on the phone. Here's what she says. Her voice is trembling. Not because she's sad. <laughs> she said, Edwin, did you just get stopped by the police? Yes, ma'am. Was you driving that car with them lights off like that? I said, yes, ma'am. She said one other thing. She said, I am so disappointed in you. And she hung up the phone. I said, wow, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it was the worst. In my, I got some whoopings, but that was the worst whooping I ever got. Why? Because I disappointed somebody I love. I mean, I disappointed somebody. I lo- she, didn't, she didn't say, I'm mad at you. She didn't say, I can't, I'm taking your car. She said, I am so disappointed in you. And if you love God and you disobey God and you hear that voice that says, why did you do that? You knew better than to do that. If you love God, it's the worst whooping you'll ever get. Now, for most of them, they were like, I ain't never feel like that. I know. That's why I'm trying to get you closer to God. So that when you disappoint God, it ain't so easy for you. Amen? Go to Luke chapter 6. Are you there? We're going to finish with this. Say, obedience is key to my destiny. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. I love this out of the message translation. I'm going to read it for you in a minute. But notice what he says here. We're talking about obedience. And there's so many scriptures you can read about obedience. I don't even have to go through all of them. You just need to just study them out for a month or two. Verse 46. It says, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and what? Do not the things which I say. He says, Why do you call me Lord and then turn around and don't do the things that I'm telling you? He says, Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and he dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. Some translations say bedrock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house, but it could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. It says, but he that heareth me and what? Do it what? Not. He said, it's two people. Both of them hear, but one hears and does. The other one hears and does not do. He said, let me tell you who he is like. He is like a man without a foundation, built a house upon the earth, against which the same stream came. It did the same thing. It beat vehemently upon it. The Bible says, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was very great. I was studying this one day, and I I, I had to read this out of the message translation, and I want to read it to you because when I'm talking to you about loving the word, here's what I'm saying to you. 
In the message translation, Luke chapter 6, verse 46, it says this. He says, why are you so polite with me? Always saying yes, sir, and no, sir, and that's right, sir, but never doing a single thing I tell you to do. He says, these words I speak to you are not meant to be mere additions to your life, some homeowner improvements to your new standard of living. He said, they are foundational words, words which you are to use to build your life on. Verse 48 and 49 says, if you work the words into your life that I am saying, you are like a smart carpenter who dug deep and laid the foundation of his house on bedrock. When the river burst its banks and crashed against the house, nothing at all could shake it because it was built to last. He says, but if you, watch this, just use my words for Bible study, for learning scripture, and don't ever actually work them into your life, he says, you are like a dumb carpenter. You are like a dumb carpenter who built a house but skipped the foundational step. So when the swollen river came crashing into your house, it collapsed like a house of, like a house of cards and it became a total loss. So here's what he says. He says, it's better for you not to even ask me what to do than to ask me what to do and not do what I tell you. He says, if you ask me what to do and then don't do what I tell you to do, you're dumb. He says, it is insane to ask me who is all knowing what to do. And then I give you instruction and you think it's just a mere suggestion. And many people go to God with a preconceived idea of what we want God to tell us to do. And when we ask God if he says something different, we reject that and we go with what we want to do anyway. How do I know? Because people approach us as pastors the same way. They come to Pastor Sean and I and they say, Pastor Sean, Pastor Edwin, here's what I'm thinking about doing. And they lay it all out and we say, well, you know, that, that, what about this? What about that? That doesn't sound wise. That doesn't sound like God. I don't hear faith in that. And they go, okay, thank you very much. And they go do whatever they was going to do in the first place. Why? Because you didn't really come to hear. When you go to God, you got to go to God saying, God, I want to hear what you say. And not say, God, I wanted you to approve my plan. Tell your neighbor, say, God is not. In the business of approving our own plans. And so if you understand that, you can stop the devil from trying to stop manifestation from coming in your life. you got to learn to go to God and say, God, what is it that you want me to do? And whatever it is, then don't confer any longer with flesh and blood. The, prob- the biggest problem many people have is they get a word from God. I get a word from God, then I go ask Kristen what she thinks about it. It wasn't a word for her. So how's she going to tell me what the, what the Lord said? i got to get a word from God, and then I can no longer confer with flesh and blood. And here's the problem. When we confer with flesh and blood, most of the time we're not even conferring with people who are on our same spiritual level. I'm always confused how you are born-again believer asking your unsaved friends for advice. How would you handle this situation? She's been divorced three times. Why are you asking her about marriage? Well, I got a financial question. Why are you asking them about financial questions and they just got out of bankruptcy? You go to a financial planner. I don't have anything wrong with financial planners. I got rid of one, though, because the first time I talked to him, he said, me and Pastor Sean gave too much. Okay, you're done. You, you, how can you be my financial planner and you're telling me that I give to the church too much? You're fired. Because if you go to a financial planner, sometimes the first thing they tell you is don't give 10%. How can I obey the world and not obey God? And many people try to get so, 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 
so secular. Well, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to uh, just not ever give 10% just so you get out of debt. That ain't how God said do it. God did not give you a layaway plan for your tithe. God did not give you a layaway plan for your tithe so you can lay your tithe away and then when you can afford to pay it, you pay it. Understand something. Seed in your hand will not produce a tree. So I've got to learn to be obedient to the word of God. I got to learn to obey God. And if I learn to obey God, then that takes out so many other obstacles that are trying to work against me. Because the devil's job is for me to is try, is to try to get me to disobey God. That's what he did to Adam and Eve. God said, don't eat that tree. He said, man, you can eat that tree. He said, don't eat from that fruit. He said, oh, man, it ain't going to hurt you. He's telling you the same thing. Ain't nothing wrong with living together. Then he say stupid stuff. You got to test God a car for you by it. God said, here's the way you do it. And if you don't do it God's way, it won't work. One of the things I had to work on, because sometimes we don't want to offend people. And so because we don't want to offend people, we don't tell people the truth. We kind of let them slide with some stuff that they say. I, I used to be, I, I'm getting better. The Lord is working on me. But somebody would say something real crazy, I'd be like, hmm, if that's what you think. And Pastor Sean, you said she, she's prayed for me and she's coached me and she's worked on it. Now they say something crazy. I go, are you sure that's what you think? Why? Because being, be, being in love does not require me to let you walk away believing a lie. Had a young man who came to us and, 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 and was confiding in us that, that he just felt like he, you know, the lifestyle that he was living, uh, that he had just made the decision he was going to live that lifestyle. And we had been ministering to him and telling him that that wasn't God's best for him, and he just decided that's what he was going to do. Well, okay, you can do that, but every time we see you, we owe it to you to tell you that's not the right way to live. Well, ain't that getting in people's business? Don't people in the world get in your business? Why you give all your money to that church? Why are you always up there? You mean tell me you're going to spend New Year's Eve at that church? You're going to spend in the club? What? What? Why do we always have to be the ones who take the back stand? When you speak to somebody in love, it doesn't mean you can't tell them the truth. Amen? Praise God. Stand to your feet all over the building. Amen? This concludes our message. Thank you for supporting Fellowship of Champions Church International. To order other products or for partnership information and other resources, visit us at championsforlife.org or write to us at 1105 Deer Street, Conway, Arkansas, 72032. Thank you for listening and continue with us as we build Champions for Life.